passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody from Japan. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting and the returning WH Park for a very special edition of Rewind a Raw, the season premiere and series finale of WH Park on this franchise show. Welcome, WH. I'm really tired right now. That was exhausting to watch. It is. What time is it? 1.30 in the afternoon? Uh, right here, it is 1.15 in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, WH, you may be beaten down. Tuesday morning Raw is the greatest thing in the world. I I loved watching Raw on a Tuesday morning as opposed to a Monday night. Sure. I could totally, I, I could move here and just wake up on a Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. watch Raw, record with you, Way, and I'm done for the day. Yeah, we can still go. This out. is a great time slot. Kind of is. Yeah. This is the new prime time. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. <laughs> I can't even. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, we have lots to discuss. We're going to be going through both uh, New Year Dash and Monday's episode of Raw to kick off 2020. Uh, but before we get into things, I want to just quickly go over the schedule this week. It's a packed one at postwrestling.com. For most of you that are listening to this, you will have early access, if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, to our Worst of 2019 show with myself and Way, joined by Braden and Davey, going through all the different categories for the very worst that 2019 had to offer. And maybe a little later on in the show, we'll get a, a sneak peek of WH's Worst of 2020 uh, as the year kicks off. Yeah, it might be on this episode. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, then later in the week, uh, Braden and Davey are going to have up next on Wednesday night covering NXT. And then they're going to be back the following day on Thursday for a review of AEW Dynamite. This week from Memphis featuring a, a tribute to the, the stars of Memphis Wrestling Pass, which should be a interesting episode that they do. Then we have uh, Friday tentative plans that will have something here from Japan. Uh, WH and I are tentatively scheduled to be going to another wrestling show, and maybe we will have a review afterwards. Uh, I'm going to try and watch SmackDown on Friday. Uh, all of that is uh, to be determined. Way is ghosting us. He is done with us after I'm, tomorrow. I'm done with you guys after this. Way is booked. Way is booked solid for the oh, yeah. next uh, two weeks. We will not see this man. Yep. So uh, enjoy his voice for the time being, and then he gets a, a well-deserved break. And then into the weekend. I'm really excited about a lot of these shows that we have coming up. Number one. The latest edition of Thunderstruck. And who is on this this Sunday? Uh, the greatest man from Ireland. Sorry, Neil, not you. It's Jamesy and I talking Jesus Thunder Liger versus the great Sasuke from Best of the Super Juniors finals of 1994. 
great match. He's done a great job just breaking down each move in its entirety from this match. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, tonight, we might be talking about Rusev Day, but Sunday really is Jamesy Day at postwrestling.com because you can whet your appetite with Thunderstruck, and then later on that day... It's going to be a collaborative review of the NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. What a mouthful that that title is uh, for the TakeOver this Sunday. But they are going to be joined. It will be Jamesy and Benno because uh, Martin is still here in Tokyo. They're going to be joined by JP and Joe from the Grapple Spotlight podcast. And let me just say, based on my comments, there are people more excited for this podcast than the TakeOver special on Sunday. So that should be a fantastic review. That will be up uh, sometime Sunday after the TakeOver UK show. And then there's a TNA or slash Impact wrestling pay-per-view on Sunday night. Hard to kill. And one franchise that is hard to kill is Keep It 2000. And we have brought them back together. Nate Milton and Brian Mann are going to reconvene and they're going to do a special review of Hard to Kill. So a lot of great stuff coming up at postwrestling.com. Uh, you can also join postwrestlingcafe.com. Our reviews of Wrestle Kingdom are up there along with uh, lots of great uh, coverage, including some fantastic lens footage. Wait. A ton, yes. We've I've been fallen docu- in love with this, this lens documenting apparatus. Every, everything on lens. John's been documenting everything on lens. He had to physically learn how to do this thing. I'm so proud of you, John. Not only learning a little, a little bit of Japanese, but learning lens too. The toughest language of all. Social media. How did I do the other day with the ordering of the when we went to that bakery for the coffee? Hato, coffee. You did great. You got your coffee, didn't you? I did. I did. I made the mistake today, and I went and I said hot, and he just looked at me confused, and then goes, "Hotto." It's like, yeah. I had that same thing. Like I was at the Tokyo Dome about to order my coffee, and I like I said kohi, and then he's like, "Oh, kohi, yeah, cool, coffee." So he brings me like two cups, of, like a cup, glass, cup of ice, because I guess he like is is a default coffee, ice coffee. Just say coffee. That, I said coffee. I, I've said that multiple times, and each time it's been, it's been to you clarify. You have to hot. specify that it's hot. Yes. If I go there, hot like, so you say hot after. Coffee, hotto, hitotsu, minchi, one. One. So just, if you don't How just many, what one, do you think I want? I want ten. Give me ten coffees. You're white. He, he's confused, so I'm sorry. Okay. So just hitotsu. That should one. be a t-shirt I get, just to walk around. I'm white. I'm confused. No, they're confused. Because oh, they're white. confused. Yeah, because... Anyways, I don't want I don't want to get like tweeted about this shit. Anyways, okay, it's okay. Um, Wh is learning what the, uh, the the world has to say about about everything. But that is uh, it's been a fun experience. I'm uh, I'm navigating the language. I think decently well. I, I'd give myself like a C plus. I think you've been doing great. It's been fun. Yeah, you've been walking around in the mornings by yourself. Just... I went for like a 45 minute walk today before Raw. Uh-huh. I, I need to get some exercise in before uh, sitting down in my hotel room. What and did I, you see? Forget Raw. I, I went to Sumo this. Hall. Yeah, got to see that. They, I feel there's some kind of sumo event going on today. There was, uh, there was like security out there, and one guy just like giving me like a dead stare. Like, don't even. I was like intimidated to take what? my camera out. Wow. Yeah, he was just staring at me, and so I, I walked another block before I took a photo. Well, oh, because you're taking pictures. I don't know. He just looked at me, and then the head was like following as I walked past. Like this guy thought I was like going to storm the grounds or something like that. I was like, "Don't like the pasture." I am absolutely harmless. <laughs> I, trust me, sir. But yeah, then I I just wandered so and found my way back. So it was very good. And then I got All some right. hot coffee at Seven Eleven. Sorry, 
Let's continue. Man, makes me makes me feel so uh, so inferior here. That he's uh, just uh, mo- mocking my, I'm not, my no, ability. It's, it's, I'm not doing that. I'm doing my best Brandon from New Jersey impression. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That is a pretty good Brandon, actually, that that laugh. Okay, we have a lot to get into, so let us uh, dive into things. We're going to start with a New Year Dash and go in chronological order. So if you're here for Raw, just look at the show description and you can zoom right over. Yes. Uh, So Otaward Gymnasium was the location for this year's New Year Dash, an upgrade from uh, many years at at Corcune Hall. And they moved up and drew 4,078 people. So we're looking at just over 74,000 tickets sold in three nights by New Japan, this has to be viewed as a big success. I think you didn't fill the dome on the second night, but I think as a three-day experiment, 74,000 tickets, I think that has to be viewed as a win. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, the thing about the second day drawing 10,000 less, like, people are going back to work on Monday, so what are you going to do? Like, it's a lot. Like, 30,000 is an incredible number. It's only because people are looking, uh, making a comparison. I think cumulatively, like it's, you, it's they made a lot of money, so they can't be not they have to be happy with that number. No announcements on Dash about next year's Wrestle Kingdom, and I was expecting like some more announcements, like maybe they were going to spread them out over the two days. Now we're also recording this just right before they're going to be doing a press conference, going through all the new beginning uh, matchups and that that tour, which we'll have up on the website later, but. Um, yeah, no announcement as of this moment about next year's dome strategy, and I wonder if it's locked in and they know what they're doing, or if they're just holding off on an announcement for what's going to happen next year. But I was expecting that at Dash after we didn't get it the night prior. I think we're probably going to see it during the New Beginning shows that they're going to announce these uh, plans for the summer and next winter. Could you see way an option that we talked about the idea that it just landed on Saturday, Sunday this year, that if you wanted to do the dome back to back next year you go back a day you do the third and the fourth instead of the fourth and the fifth to augment that so the fourth is on what day next year the fourth the fourth is probably we're talking a lot here so it it could throw things off uh so january of 2021 we're talking about oh you know what the fourth is on monday Monday, right because we flip ahead uh so i don't really see it you know i think sunday like you said wh was one of the big issues of of perhaps a second day now the fourth would be a holiday would it not it would still fall under the period where people can still be on their holidays away from work, but probably um, it depends on company to company. But most people would probably go back to work on the the sixth or something. So you could do the third and the fourth. It's possible, but like because it was a Saturday and Sunday, it's guaranteed people are going to be off of work for sure, and mm-hmm. families could come and things like that. It's not guaranteed that most companies will allow those to be guaranteed holidays. It, so I, we'll see. I, I'm thinking there's a 50-50 chance they're going to announce two Dome shows maybe next year. I, I wouldn't do it like just from my own experience. I would hope they just condense like these two shows into one. I think that would have been a much better experience in my opinion. Now, if you're coordinating all of this around holidays, like other than it's just it's so ingrained as, as the tradition, why would you run January 4th on the Monday as opposed to January 2nd, for instance? It's just they're it, they're just obstinate about like this date, the January fourth. It's like, do you think it's a bigger draw to have it on the fourth than say the second? Is that date so locked in? Because you would think in theory, why why be tied to that if it's going to hurt us at all at the box office? Well, they did announce that they're shifting the G one climax because of the the Olympics to October. So maybe they're going to be like, okay, we're not married to the fourth as a date. We can make it January first and second or. The second, second and third, and third, third. would yeah. be the Saturday, so, Sunday. Yeah, I can see totally they, they, they announcing that people go, oh, 
in the I feel there'd be outrage if they go away from the sacred date of January. Like, it's just so ingrained. I wouldn't expect them to move it from that. But if the whole point is to, you know, what is the best night to run uh, a Monday night, if that's going to hurt you by 5,000 tickets, I don't know if I'm necessarily... So tied to a specific number as what where I'm going to run that dome show. It could be that they're really more in love with doing two shows, like back-to-back. So we'll see. What's your final prediction, Way? How many dome shows next year? I think we get one. I, I, I do wonder if perhaps you know they not just look at maybe the business of it, but also perhaps the quality of the individual shows and ask whether or not it's, it, 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 you know, for, for their brand, it's better to, you know, have two separate shows that I think let's be honest it would have been a way stronger condensed show as a singular show especially that second night um, and I think we would possibly be talking as maybe one of the greatest Wrestle Kingdoms of all time if I think they condensed some of those matches into one show uh, rather than having I would say a lot of filler and maybe a dead crowd on the second night so I, I wonder if they would judge, uh, judge it by any of those other factors as well but I, I definitely think like Dash could be Dash, I think, should be at Sumo Hall. I 100% think it should be at Sumo Hall. Uh, as as long as they you have this level of international tourists coming for the show, I, I don't think Sumo Hall is an ambitious building to run at all. So the show began with the Jushin Thunder Liger retirement ceremony, and this was uh, extremely well done. Liger, they air this comprehensive retrospective on his entire career. Then he is brought out followed by the New Japan locker room led by Hiroshi Tanahashi as they present flowers to him and they take a big group shot together and then the Chaos Faction is brought out led by Kazuchika Okada and they do the same including Okada taking a selfie with the whole group with Liger and you and I were summarizing like are are they going to be going through different factions here because they could have ended it with Suzuki Gun and Minoru Suzuki shaking his hand which would go very much against kind of the Suzuki character, but kind of ties that all together. It was just the the, the New Japan native talent and chaos, followed by the baby faces. His, the baby faces, yeah. His wife and son uh, were also brought out uh, as well. Naoki Sugabayashi, the chairman of New Japan, and then we got a surprise video announcement or video message from Antonio Noki that everyone reacted to. Yeah, and- I was very surprised because he doesn't really have a positive relationship with the company as itself but i guess he respects jushin liger a lot as well he should of course uh then liger gave a speech and they followed the whole show by having the referees wear the the liger uh, retirement shirt uh, throughout so this this was like the really big thing on the show that this uh new year dash card will be remembered for yeah um you know in terms of emotion i i, I thought it was really strong um and i think what really got to me is like seeing big grown men cry. Tanahashi was weeping. Tanahashi was weeping. Tenzan had tears. Uh, Nakanishi, you know, just to see like these big, strong dudes uh, get emotional always gets to me. And I think the moment for me was that that was like the emotional climax was like when his wife and kid showed up and they hugged him. And it was like, for me, it was almost like, oh man, like now this guy after 32 years finally gets to retire and enjoy his family life. You know, I mean, I, that's just the narrative in my head, right? It's like seeing the hero walk into the sunset and after, after you know, a lifetime of service, now finally getting to enjoy the home life. It's just the, the idea that this superhero actually has a family back home. Um, just to kind of visually see that, like, was really cool. Uh, they also did this 10-bell salute for Liger's famous opponents that have deceased. And this included uh, Black Tiger, Brian Pillman, uh, Hayabusa was showing, and... Wild Pegasus was showing and in the mask in the mask. Yes. 
I found it uncomfortable seeing Benoit featured in there. And it's been interesting to be over here where it very much seems that that final weekend is not part of Benoit's legacy at all. It is the the work, the in-ring, and his legacy that is very much, I won't so, go so far as to say celebrated, but enough to the point that he would not have been omitted from something like this, uh, acknowledging his most famous opponents that have died. Yeah, I mean, he's very important to Liger's history, his early career, and I think for Liger, I think when the whole incident happened, he passed away. Um what like, was the coverage like here at that time? From my understanding, because you were not here at that point, I was not here at the right. point. But I, 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 I was like searching around and I asked around, and it, you know, it was covered a little. But like they were not shy about like, you know, just saying, well, he's a great wrestler. You know, he, you know, he's part of our legacy in terms of like the amazing matches he's had in in Japan. And for Liger personally, I, I really get the feeling like everything I went I was told by people who knew Benoit was like him and Liger really tight when they when they worked together so like I can see Liger saying I want his picture up there because he's important to me it's like you know like how Chavo Guerrero and Chris Jericho really don't you know like they want to celebrate the person that they remembered not the person that he became I think it's it's interesting to look at the the colleagues of Benoit and how they really struggle with this way of how they remember him. I look, I look at Chris Jericho. I think he very much struggles with it where he, he has done a lot of coverage of just uh, speaking to Nancy Benoit's sister and looking at everything. And I think comes at it from a pretty objective point of view when this, this was a very close friend of his. And I think it's, it's very difficult to uh, just completely separate the career from that final weekend. But it's, um, I, I'm just gonna say I'm just speaking for myself personally. It it was uncomfortable just to that there's a ten bell salute and his image is up there. Um, but this overall, I mean this this very much had the the feeling of that that Ric Flair send off in 2008. Just everybody out there and a really emotional ceremony for Jushin Thunder Liger and. Um, and, I, I think that, that this is going to be one of the most remembered things of this weekend. It ended with a sing-along to his theme song, which was fucking awesome. And throwing him up in the air. They yeah. all grabbed him and lifted him. And I mean, he looked to be like dead weight as they were just tossing him up there. And it was like, oh, my God, he's going to take one final bump here. So it was uh, it was a really great. And this was the first half hour of the show. Um you could have ended the the show with this, I feel. But it was I was like, man, you're really um, setting the mood at a certain level and then going into the wrestling show. It was like, this was almost separate. This was not even attached to the show, but it was uh, very effective. Uh, and I, I think hit a lot of people. So let's just uh, quickly go through some of the matches. They then revealed all of the, uh, this is not a card that they announced ahead of time. Uh, I guess a lot of the, the wrestlers are trying to find out during the day, like, have you heard anything? And then they arrive at the building and then they're told what they're doing. So the opener was Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors, and Alex Coughlin versus Toa Hinare, Yota Suji, and the sprinter, Yuya Uemura. Yeah, this is great. I love this match. It, I think it set a nice uh, pace and tone for the rest of the show. These guys are all so good, and I have... Like so much faith in the history, in the the future of this company going forward in the next five years. The, the, these six, like any of these combinations, it's like the best opener in pro wrestling. It went ten forty one. A lot of fire from all six. In particular, uh, I'm very impressed with Alex Coglin. It seemed like the 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 featured performer was Carl Fredericks, who at the end hits this massive drop kick onto it was. Uh, 
Uyamura and a, did a kip up into the half crab and just wrenched back and got the submission with the half crab. You can tell, like, they probably told him, like, be more charismatic, you know, showboat a bit more because that's what he was doing. Yeah, I was the playing in the crowd at times. It's great. I'm like, they have so much faith. You can tell he's like the next Jay White in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, um, you really appreciate how hard these guys hit when you're watching these guys live. Just incredible sounding chops in this particular match from Alex Coughlin. He absolutely stood out to me as well. And I thought some really great selling from Uyamura as well while he was in that crazy half crab from Frederick. So it was fun. And they were also setting up a, a Suji versus Coughlin post-match. That's right. They had this really big brawl at the beginning of the match, and then they bookended it with... a. Uh, them fighting at the end as well so it'll be interesting to watch the path of all, all six of these guys this year and and where they go four-way match saw Rapongi 3k Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori and the team of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru Hiromu and Bushi came out wearing uh masks in honor of Jushin Thunder Liger and that was a big um a big backdrop on the entire show and this saw uh Desperado end up uh, getting the cover on show after Bushi hit him with the mist and with show Tanaka blinded. That's when uh, Desperado was able to get the cover at 1330 and the significance there that show and yo just won the junior heavyweight tag titles. And it looks like Desperado Kanemaru, one of our many directions set up at New Year Dash. Yeah, it was a fun match. And, you know, you set up the uh, the tag title match, the junior tag title match. And. I enjoyed it. It was it was it didn't overstay its welcome and a lot of action throughout the whole thing. I was particularly impressed with El Fantasmo live. You know, he's not just great in ring, but I think he adds so much charisma charisma and, and just great heel stick with the crowd. I was sitting right next to the ramp here and like he comes out, he sees this girl's abushi towel and he just grabs it, like wipes his ass with it, throws it into the another another section of the crowd. The security grabbed the towel back for the girl. And on the way back after the match, he grabs the towel again, throws it into another section of the crowd. I, I think he's he's a great heel and he's a lot of fun to watch live. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Abushi, and Finn and Juice took on the Gorillas of Destiny, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale. All eight brawled around ringside until they settled in and got the heat on Tanahashi. Tried to lift up Fale, unsuccessful. Then Finley came in, fired up, uh, followed by Kota coming in. Jado got involved with the kendo stick, and then uh, uh, it was Ibushi avoiding the package pile driver. Tanahashi assisted with the sling blade, setting up the Kamigoye finish with Ibushi pinning Owens at 11 minutes and 39 seconds. And after the match, after all the criticism of the New Japan Tag Division. I thought the show as a whole, you could see the formation of different little units for this tag division, the biggest one being an alliance between Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi as they signal to their partners, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson, that they're going to go for the tag titles. And I love this pairing. You actually suggested this midway through the match. My response was doubtful. And look at uh, look at me. I, was, uh, I stood corrected. But I love this direction. Keeps... Kota Ibushi busy outside, and that's outside of the main event picture, and I think it's a really compelling match. And it gives Juice and, and Finley something uh, of note to feud with these two. It freshens up the whole tag division, and yeah, I mean, we were talking during Wrestle Kingdom, what are you going to do with Ibushi? Like, we have, you can't just put slot him into a title match anytime soon. Um, I love that it keeps Tanahashi busy as well, and I think this is a natural pairing because, like, Tanahashi is one of Ibushi's heroes. It's a, it, mm-hmm. it fits like mentor-student kind of idea, and you know we'll talk about a tag match later. But if you have these 
other pairings that we saw later on in the evening. My God, like, and just keep these guys tagging regularly, it, it would be awesome. Like, I would be so excited about New Japan's tag division as I am about All Japan's and, and Pro Wrestling Noah's and Stardom's tag divisions. And it's, it's something, like, I always cross my fingers. Please, like, fulfill the promise that, that you show on some of these shows with these pairings. But I do have to make one note, like, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Psychologically, I think once I see Bad Luck Fala, I'm like, I have to use the toilet. So I recused myself and ran to the toilet and came back. I, and I asked you, John, did I miss anything? You were like, no. Hey, I like the Bullet Club live. You know, much like uh, El Fantasmo in the earlier match, I think, like, anytime these guys come out with, like, their type of personality in a live setting, they, they really, to me, wake up the crowd. I think the Gorillas have one of the better themes in wrestling. I, I sure. love their theme. It really fits them, that, but, like, kind of DMX knockoff. Yeah. Yeah, like usually, I, I I mean, when you're watching on World, anytime they do the traditional just like brawl into the crowd type of thing, it get it it seems so tiring. But live, live it really works. When you're, especially when you're sitting in the section, it's like wow, these this the the match is coming over to me, and it gets super exciting. I so was I, hoping Tamatanga was going to make his way to WH. I was he looked at me. That, yeah, he looked at me during his entrance. Oh, I, I like, wish you had my seat right here. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, so I, I thought they were fun. The crowd was very engaged. Who do you think, like, in the, if if Tanahashi and Ibushi challenge for the belts, who who do you book to win? That's a good question. Um, I would Finley honestly, and Juice just got the belt. Yeah, but I think there's more value if you put it on Tanahashi. You make those main Ibushi. event belts if yeah. you put them on Tanahashi and Ibushi. But um, conversely, you could continue the story that that Kota is coming off the most devastating losses of his career at Wrestle Kingdom, and he still slips here yeah, somehow. Would it um, not have made more sense to keep the belt on G.O.D. then? You could, you could have done that, too. I, I think the idea here is that with Finley and Juice, I think, I think they see them as more of uh, they're on the ascent at the moment. Gorillas are kind of in their place. that they, They're hoping that Finley and Juice get something out of this, too, working with Tanahashi and Ibushi. So I, I think it's an interesting outcome. You can debate if it's you keep the titles on Finn and Juice or you put it on to Tanahashi and Ibushi, which I think would greatly help that tag division. You can, you can headline shows with your IWGP tag title, something you can't do at the moment. And you don't have the IC belt right now, so... That's right. You have a one less belt in circulation. But one thing this company is not in any shortage of is, is titles. Then this, to me, was the most intriguing match when they made the announcements at the beginning of the show. Evil and Shingo Takagi against Tomohiro Ishii and new never open weight champion Hiroki Goto. This did not disappoint. It was the match of the night. Uh, these guys watched that main event on the Noah show we went to and... Just felt like everyone was out here to steal the show. Uh, just some amazing chops and, and back and forth in, in particular with Ishii and Evil. But then Shingo Takagi was, to me, one of the standout performers on this entire show. He just had so much presence about him live. And the way that he was presented in this match and at the post-match, like he felt like the like one of the leaders at, at the end of this. Like He felt like the, the lieutenant right behind Naito that they're putting a lot of um, shine onto. Uh, End here saw this awesome exchange between Shingo and Goto. Um, we also saw this double team maneuver with uh, Ishii holding up, I think it was evil as they hit this assisted GTR and really teasing like Ishii and Goto could be another little tag team that they, they use for a bit of a run as well. So it was like a half magic killer, half GTR. Type right. Thing. Yeah. Where you had the legs up. Um, Shingo ends up, uh, 
uh, avoiding the GTR at the end and wins with the last of the dragon. It went 16 minutes and 28 seconds, really pushing that it'll be Shingo going for Goto's never open weight title. But I think you also have two potential tag teams if you really want to beef up this tag division. And that's the beauty of you can have these guys do their singles runs, but also have a great tag division. And this was a perfect example of it. Takagi cut this big promo after. I don't know one word of what he said, but it was awesome. This crowd loved Mm -hmm. it. And just his facial expressions felt like he, you know, the classic example of like the the year ran up. He was the odd man out. And now the new year, we're going to see a spotlight on him. It really felt like this particular match was like, you know, three of the guys who didn't really have prominent roles at Wrestle Kingdom trying to make up for, you know, I guess the lack of feature. And they just really went all out and wrestled as if they were inside a Tokyo Dome. I I thought this match was amazing. Um, Shingo and Evil are fantastic together. I really like them as a strong style tag team within LIJ. It had me really excited for Shingo versus Goto. I think these two will have fantastic chemistry and, you know... I now understand why they put the belt back onto Goto. It's almost just like, you know, resetting so that you can give it to somebody else. And Shingo definitely looks like he's the next guy for that division. Yeah, I, I love this match, match of the night for me. He's one of the top five matches that I've seen all weekend. And I I, I was like thinking, man, the Goto and Ishii, if they kept them as a tag team throughout the year or if they do this in 2020, Ibushi Tanahashi, Evil and Shingo. I don't want to see Evil and Sonata again I, as much as... I like mm-hmm. their tag team. I, they need to freshen it it's, up. It's stale. They need to freshen it um, up. But you could even like slot in like established teams like God and and whoever else, and then mix them in together. And it's make just just put some booking behind it. Like I just consistency. That's all I ask. I I just love Shingo Takagi. He's one of been one of the best promos in Japan for the last ten years. And you you'll find that a lot of guys who came through Dragon Gate, it, it's very heavy heavy on promos in that company because they have to do uh, like mic mic performances like all the roster members and he really developed so well in that role as a heel and as a babyface as a leader of his own faction and he's bringing it to new japan i think he's really like you know a step above like you know 60 percent of the roster as far as like cutting a promo in japanese and when you grade a promo i suppose in a japanese language does it feel any different from let's say a wwe english promo yeah it well, he's more into like doing a performance, right? And I, I feel like a lot of the Dragon guys, Dragon Gate guys, are like that. Um, one thing I, I, my, I'm not super fluent in Japanese, as like my, some people might be surprised, but I'm not. Um, but I can get the gist of what he is saying. But it's really the emotion he yeah. puts behind it. Like he, he knows how to change his cadence, his tone, his intonation, things like that. He's really, really good at it. So I got the gist of what he's saying mm-hmm. based on the few words like oh, okay i understand what that meant that meant that meant but it's like the emotion you put it behind it okay he wants that never title he wants to fight goto for it cool. I, I think that's a big part of it is just the the conviction and emotion and how the audience reacts to and i think we'll talk a little bit about in wwe that they're letting oscar go out now and just speak japanese and it's all on her to pretty much convey to a non-japanese speaking audience but she feels so much um less handcuffed now just speaking her native language i feel like though with oscar they just like send her out there to ramble you know just to sound almost incoherent you know rather than like like a shingo takagi like they want her to sound like wild and out of control i think yeah. that's the way they're going but i think it works for her as opposed to what they had been doing which was you know she had just become another woman on the roster and this at least i think is I don't know what she is saying, but I can at least see the emotion behind it. And I don't think you're supposed to know. Like, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's really. No, that's what. Yeah. Right. So, 
second from the top was an eight-man tag with Chaos taking on Suzuki Gun, Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles, and Yoshihashi against Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, and Taichi. And we got numerous pairings here. Uh, prominent was Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. As they began the match, uh, Okada's neck also taped up here. Will and Zack brawl right into our section, and most people's line of the night was Zack just screaming, Osprey's a Tory! And Osprey responding hours later, but I voted Labor. I, I doubt that that's true. <laughs> well, I, this is the basis of a, of a feud for the British heavyweight title. To, I- ideologies at stake for the British heavyweight title. It's uh, remain versus leave <laughs> in Refro or in New Japan. It's funny that the British heavyweight title is defended more in Japan than it is on uh, British soil. But I guess that's a metaphor for uh, current political climate of England. Well, I mean, both of these two have, have left. More or less. I think Zach still lives there. Osprey lives you, here. Zach's moved to the, to oh. the U.S., I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Oh, I guess. There you go. At least that last check, I, I believed he had. So I'm not up on uh, where exactly his uh, his living is. But yeah, Osprey has left. Uh, so anyway, they will get sent into the barricade. Suzuki uh, ties up uh, Eagles into a, into a submission, moves to the knee bar. Then we broke off, and one of our new pairings is Okada and Taichi in a match that if this does not culminate in the two starting a match both with their pants on and having <laughs> them torn off, uh, that that is a missed opportunity. Uh, Okada dropkicked Archer, and then we got the first usage of the Taichi Iron Fingers, which were passed down by the retiring Takeshi Azuka last year. Nails Okada. Second. He used them in the G1. That's right. He, he, I totally forgot about that. He did use them the one time in the G1. So the DQ is called at 15 minutes and 28 seconds uh, with the Iron Fingers being used. And then he attacks Yoshihashi further, sets up for the last ride powerbomb when John Moxley arrives, uh, comes out from the back, not through the crowd, and attacks Minoru Suzuki for retribution from the night prior, ending with a Death Rider and holding up the title on top of a fallen Suzuki who is shown smiling while down on his back. And mm-hmm. I guess we're going to know in a few hours where this is set, but my my presumption would be Osaka next month. If you're doing Osaka Joe Hall, this would be... Uh, you have to load up that show. Oh, yeah, and like I love the way this was laid out where, you know, obviously, okay, it's Osprey and Zach for the British title, and it's going to be Moxley and Minoru Suzuki with the uh, for the U.S. title. I'm going to predict that you know, I think Minoru Suzuki is going to take that belt because because of you know Moxley's AEW contract status. He can't work in the United States. He mm-hmm. can't defend that belt on their upcoming tours and very ambitious tours in the United States. I think they're going to need someone the star power of Minoru Suzuki. And he's defending the United States title in the U.S. I think that's going to be a draw for a lot of Huge. the fans. Yeah, for sure. I really like this match. I mean, this this match, I think, made me realize how much I like Suzuki-gun, where I think every person in this four-man team has something that... I mean, maybe Taichi, not you. You guys wouldn't agree, but like every other person, I think they have such individual personalities. That's that it's like out. four people that I could not imagine these four <laughs> yeah. at a restaurant together. No. Like just such divergent but, personalities. But they do hang out. Like they ride together. You know everything. I mean, I uh, and obviously Mox was the big surprise on the show. I don't know if a lot of us expected him to be here. Uh, Jericho was not on the show, but Mox, I think, coming out was a big surprise. The the, the way they stacked the post match, like one, you know, like it, this show, I, I guess its purpose is to almost like announce 
a card visually and you kind of got to see the formation of all of these different matches one by one as you know guys were being paired with each other choking each other out you're like oh they're gonna do that match and then this guy's attacking this guy oh they're gonna do that match it was really exciting and I, overall I, I i really enjoyed it what also stood out to me though in this match was how much the japanese audience love yoshihashi like he is just the moment he gets tagged in there Nobody expects him to do anything of significance, but they all cheer for him because he's just, you know, he's essentially a weak fighter with a big heart. And it's almost like when he goes after Lance Archer, and I think they purposely paired them together, you know, having Yoshihashi go up against the biggest, biggest guy in the match. And just like Yoshihashi attempting to punch him and Archer just basically... You know, having him having no effect on Archer and Archer just beating him. And this audience just kind of laughs like, oh, how cute, you know? It's like the, the little kid trying to, like, attack the big guy again. But they, they really like him. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, the thing with Yoshiashi is that he's the perennial underdog. And people really relate to him, I think, because he's like, you know, I could be him. I could be a wrestler. If I was a wrestler, I could be him, like, losing all the time. But still, like, keep fighting. High bar. <laughs> High bar. But I think, like, just his, his character, he's kind of... Like, uh, like, kind of not. I don't want to say dumb, but like he's kind of very naive and and stuff. And this then, is our truth. This is their our truth. Yeah, and he, and it relates. Well, he's got, he's got his like following for his point on the show. Um, but but he takes himself seriously, whereas our truth is is a lot more of a comedian. You know, like I don't know if Yoshihashi th- even thinks of himself as a comedian at all. Like, or even as like a quote unquote loser. Like he is a guy who thinks he he should be. He's always trying to be next level. Everyone knows can't. what I mean by loose explosion, right? They don't. They don't think that. <laughs> if you watch any of those, thankfully, cha- he's those chaos that. DVDs where they're just going to like amusement parks or going fishing or or going to a hot spring for the weekend, like it comes through. Like I haven't seen all uh-huh. of them, but I've seen clips of them, and like they just make fun. The other chaos guys just make fun, but they but they love him, you yeah. know. Like Okada right. loves this guy. Nakamura, when he was in the group, he loves this guy, and like I think Ishii probably loves this guy. And they just he's just part of their group, and he's mm-hmm. like the little brother. And who doesn't like the little brother sometimes, you know? So Tetsuya Naito and Sonata versus Jay White and Kenta was the main event. A ton of heat for Kenta coming out. Um, there were a lot of people upset about this end to Wrestle Kingdom. I was surprised it was that pronounced. We were in a heavy LIJ section where we were sitting. That's right. Yeah, we See, were. The fact that it was controversial suggests that, I mean, that was exactly like that was the intent, the, right? It was the goal. Look at the reaction Kenta got tonight. Mm-hmm. They Overnight, they turned him into the hottest villain in the entire company, and it's all because of he ruined that very special moment. I, I, think, he's one of the, I think he's the best heel in wrestling right now. He was fantastic mm-hmm. in this match. His his playing with the crowd, the the mannerisms that he was doing, like this is a guy that I think that that, that post match attack that was like the last like everything yeah. clicked, and it's been a slow progression mm-hmm. from going back to Dallas last Shibata. summer at the G one. You know the G one. He was he was good. Was he one of the top three? No, he wasn't. And it's been slow. It's been steady. The heel turn was a very strong positive. And I think throughout this, you know, this, you've seen him like slowly mature into this role. And it just seems like it's now all in sync. It almost felt like the heel turn allowed the shackles to come off. And now he gets to fully express who he is. And I just, like, you can tell he's having the time of his fucking life when he's performing as this new character. Like, he, he just, again, I'm, I'm incredibly so so happy for him to see the transformation he's made over the course of the year. Uh, he's mocking the fans. They're chanting go away at him throughout the match. 
Um, Naito was in with Kenta, spat at him, and then they they uh, worked on the floor for a while with Naito getting run into the barricade. And then Jay and Sonata uh, paired off as well. Sonata missed a moonsault onto Jay landing on his feet. Sleeper suplex was hit. And then the Blade Runner is attempted by Jay White and it gets countered with the O'Connor roll with Sonata catching him at 14 minutes. So Sonata gets the victory and Jay low blows Sonata. Naito and Kenta continue the fight and chairs are brought in. So Jay White and Kenta utilizing chairs. Again, this was like this little alliance that hasn't been pronounced as these two Bullet Club members, but here they were kind of aligned together and the crowd continues to chant at them. White says that Sonata has believed in himself too much of late, and he's here to correct that, bring down that self-esteem. And Kenta cut a promo on everybody to close the show, and for the second straight night, it was ending it off with a lot of heat on Kenta, who they, you know, he, on paper, is not a huge challenger, and you have to make him into that. And I think these two nights did did wonders for Kenta to make Naito and Kenta a match that you can headline a big show with. I think after this program with Naito, where he's going to lose, he's not going to win the title, but this is where you transition him into the big program with possibly a returning Shibata. We'll see. I'm not going to make predictions about that. Or I feel that ship has, has sailed, and I'm, I do question, like, it was such an awesome moment to do that, but I do feel like both nights, that shadow has been over top of Kenta that everyone's expecting that moment with Shibata, and I just think that there's... There was if 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 Shibata truly could do anything, it would have been done. And I think at this point, it's but almost trying to forget that and keep Shibata away. If the idea though was to pair Kenta with Naito, is now the time to really do it, or do you simply just kind of throw out little teases like they have with Kenta sitting cross-legged, just so that you could save that for further down the line? Like, you know, so much of it is dependent on the status and whether or not he could be cleared. But I, I would argue if that was the intention, and they knew in the summer that this is a match we're going to get to. I think that angle in the summer was was too much at that time. They would have timed it out wrong. I think that it could have been like think of that moment where he he has broken away from Shibata. We've never heard Shibata's reaction, and he starts doing the poses, and it's building and building to that final moment where Shibata just loses it and attacks him. And then you, it just seems like that would be a more natural path. My I could spe- be wrong. My speculation is that like Shibata was probably supposed to get involved somehow. And I think Shibata just said, oh, you want me to get physical? Okay. And he just, like, he just went with it. And he's like, I'm going to do, do all my spots. I'm going to do a running drop kick. Like, PK, I'm going to take these bumps. It's like, you, you, like you, said, you said yes. You said I could go out there. So I, he, it probably, like, got way more out of hand than I think they had intended. And it's like the, uh, the Tank the Abbott spot where it was like, hey, can I use a weapon in my match? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Pulls a switchblade on the dude on live pay-per-view. Yeah. The other, it's the only Shibata Tank Abbott reference theory I will might compare. be. What was his last match? Was it against Sakata at King of Sakura Genesis? Sakura Genesis. Maybe they want his return match to be at oh. Sakura Genesis. That's a possibility. I can see it totally. What you're saying, way mm. totally see that happening. Um, we'll see. Like, but the thing is with like Kenneth being so hot, he ruined Wrestle Kingdom for so many fans. He's got so much heat. He's got so much heat from last night at New Year's Dash. Like, even when he loses this match, he just. Pair him with another hot baby face, yeah. and is he still going to be a hot heel in the company? So, like, mm-hmm. I think it was really good timing for the Naito program for him. Yeah, and I could see Jay White and Kenta, like, they're in a weird spot themselves. They're going to have these singles programs, and I like these two as a tag team as well. So, coming out of this show, these are some of the directions we have. Of course, the big one is Naito Kenta, Jay White, and Sonata for the, uh, for, um, 
you know, coming coming off, I, I think Sonata, you have to kind of reheat him it, and Jay White is a good opponent for him. Suzuki and Moxley, Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay were certainly hinted towards. Okada and Taichi, which is... A fine oh, February match. It's, it's a, you yeah. need something for Okada. Yeah. Um, Kanemaru and Desperado with Rapungi 3K for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Goto and Shingo, which sounds awesome. And then uh, Finley and Juice Robinson with Tanahashi and Kota Bushi. So that's, those are like eight directions you got out of, you know, the, the two nights, but the majority on, on Dash. Like in one show. Yeah. Like they, they managed to cook all these programs in, in one go, which is very impressive. And we can talk about this now because uh, Will Cooling was... Uh, suggested this like is this the style of show that dash is something you could get more out of throughout the year like three or four times maybe Mm. as opposed to just relying on the post big show press conference that they do uh two days later it's to me like something after dominion like doing a show like this especially when there's people traveling like this is always i wouldn't overdo a show like this but there's always a lot of buzz of Man, what's going to happen? What is next? And kind of coming for the angles as opposed to any one match. That in this case, you don't know any matches. I think it, you know it depends on the size of the show, but certainly for for a big show like a, like a Dominion, um, you know, I would say like typically isn't like a G one final kind of you know doesn't doesn't it serve that purpose on the undercard where a lot of the guys are done with the tournament and therefore just you know engage in these multi man matches that might set up future programs. But um, I think depending on the size of the show, you could definitely do another type of these. I think if you coincide them with like big holiday periods like Golden Week, and the G1 falls under the the summer holiday Oban, so I I think your idea of like because they don't ever do anything with the G1 climax undercard, you know, like on the yeah. final night, yeah, do do a type of New Year's dash on that and set up things, and then you have the finals, perfect. Maybe I'm trying to remember what the Golden Golden Week uh, matches uh, card is, but where maybe like like Secure Genesis post show do. Uh, a big angle heavy thing to set up for spring and up leading up to summer. Uh, so overall, this show, I think, I think angle wise, I like this show a lot better than last year's, which kind of felt like a like a dud of a dash show. It mm-hmm. just felt like it, they didn't have any really big strong ideas of years past. But this one, I like a lot of the different directions, and I like the overall theme that it, it feels like there is a effort or an acknowledgement that. Our tag division is a weak aspect of our presentation and something that we have these guys that we can beef this up. And I'm hoping that it's not just Tanahashi and Ibushi for this one off that these other little pairings that we could see kind of enhance this tag division because there's no reason New Japan can't have a quality tag division that is intriguing instead of just the runaround of you know three teams fighting over these titles all the time. It feels very fresh. You know, you're taking some of the more established names out of the main event scene and therefore leaving space for other people to move up. And we see Kenta now moving into a prime slot. Uh, somebody like Shingo taking, you know, essentially the never, never roll. Uh, and then, you know, um, I think Moxley Suzuki feels incredibly fresh, too, with given Suzuki's, I think, you know, uh, maybe more, I would say, tepid end of the year. So I, a lot of fresh directions coming out of the show. I was really happy with it. I'm so excited about this possibility of Tanahashi. And <laughs> that's my big takeaway from this show is because, like, I'm always harping about the tag division. And, like, these two feel like such a natural pairing. And I can just see them come up with amazing double team moves and just mm-hmm. having amazing chemistry. And they're, they it, would It's just- big enough that... Not Osaka, but I could headline one of the Hokkaido shows the week prior, the new beginning. Like that's that's and that's something you can't say about their tag programs of many years past. And they automatically elevate other people who are facing them. If they get beat by like 
I don't know, like Evil and uh, Shingo, that elevates those guys because they're mm-hmm. on, like, Tanahashi's a legend in this company and he still can go. So I'm really excited about it. It's a really good role for Tanahashi, like, to have him in that division. Okay, we're now going to switch over to Raw from Monday night in Oklahoma City. This is weird. Is everyone set? Yeah, I have my notes. So you two had some uh, a struggle with the first hour. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean... Because this was we, a technological struggle, not a physical one. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, because we don't get USA TV here, uh, we had to, you know, um, watch on alternative means, and um, we were expecting portions of the show to be uploaded throughout the show. That's why we decided to start a little bit later. Um, so we missed a portion of the show, but I did go back and rewatch it, so... I think we uh, we're pretty much caught up. Okay, well we'll go we'll go through it. I got, I got to catch the entire show. It kicked off with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out, and the first words uttered on a episode of Raw for the New Year was Paul Heyman saying, "Happy New Year to you too, bitches." WWE's favorite word, um, or Paul Heyman's favorite word, probably. probably. And this uh, this crowd, I thought, in particular, the first half of the show, this was a really strong crowd mm-hmm. by raw standards. They seemed very engaged in all of this. He Heyman explained that no one is worthy enough of challenging Lesnar at the Rumble. He brought up all the accolades of Lesnar and said that he is going to suggest a dream match where every challenger on the roster can have a chance against Brock Lesnar because Brock is entering the Royal Rumble at the number one position. And this will not be a case where his title is on the line, but Brock will be in the Rumble itself. Presumably, this is just um, an easy way to set up his Mania Challenger by being in the Rumble and having a key elimination. Did they explain what would happen if Brock actually won, though? It means he's run through the locker room, and I don't think anyone's expecting and him to win. And that means, what, he wouldn't have a match at WrestleMania? He'll face himself. Yeah, I, I feel like that that side of things maybe required a little bit of explanation. I think the idea that somebody would be willing to put themselves in a disadvantage at a number one slot because you're so hungry to to, do, to commit violence to other people. Um, it's interesting. I think it, it, it somewhat works for Brock. But then again, it's like Brock to me seems like the ch- type of champion that's like being avoidant. You know, he's the guy who rarely comes by and will only show up whenever he feels like it. And so um, it... It makes sense. Um, doesn't completely. I can't completely buy it because I still see Brock as you know just the part-time champion, like not necessarily somebody who's so hungry to to, to commit violence that he's willing to you know, like if you want to beat people up so much, why don't you show up more often? Why don't you work every pay-per-view? Because he comes for the big ones to make the the most money. Like he seems like the type of champion who wants to do the least amount of work, and so putting himself at number one. To me, isn't completely congruent with like the type of Brock Lesnar they've established thus far. I like this because there's no one that is ready for the title. They have not heated anyone up to the degree that I would want to pull the trigger on a title match at the Rumble. It would feel as though it's kind of a minor Lesnar match. And in this one, you have someone that like everyone knows this guy's getting eliminated. And the intrigue is who that's going to be, who will be the Mania opponent. And I think you can do a lot of cool things with him. Like he does a big elimination spot, rings empty. Deal Madden has to be one of the entrants. Oh, my. He has to come out. So, so he can so deal Madden Brock at WrestleMania. Well, I don't think that will be happening, but um, I guess this solidifies your Royal Rumble plans. For me? Yeah. With that, I'm going to watch? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not watching this shit. No. Oh, you can listen to us, huh? I, I, That's how I keep up. No, like, I just, based on what you're saying, John, I, you know what I would do? I'd have, like, the number two guy be the 
be the person who he's going to face at WrestleMania, get eliminates Brock right away. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. You could, do, you could do many different things with, uh, with Lesnar in this match, and, um, and we'll get into more about the, the entrance coming in. But that was uh, the big angle for Lesnar at the start of the show. Then we go backstage to Rey Mysterio, who is in mid-speech, speaking Spanish, finishes talking, and then Sarah Schreiber walks in for the English portion of the interview. And he says that he only has days left, not years, in his career. I hope it's more than days. I hope so, too. Can you imagine Liger and Ray retiring within days? Mm. That would be quite the, uh, the loss. He loves his son, thanks him for convincing him to stay here and face the best competition, and Andrade does not deserve to represent the Latinos. And that takes us into our Andrade-Ray Mysterio rematch for the United States title. Uh, Lawler points out at the introduction that the ring announcer failed to note that Zelina Vega was in Andrade's corner and that he should be fired for that omission. There is a chant of Lucha Libre as Andrade gets sent into the steps after Ray was on his shoulders with kind of this victory roll to send him in. Then a Cabrada gets caught. Ray spins into a Tornado DDT. Crowd is very hot for this. And these two, I thought this was a tremendous uh, interaction between these two. Uh, this was one of their matches that just everything was clicking. Andrade avoided the 619. Ray popped up, nailed a code red, and he makes the cover as Zelina gets Andrade's foot onto the bottom rope prior to the referee seeing it. So he counts three at 10 minutes, five seconds, and it would lead to the match being restarted after the commercial break. But the first half of this, I thought this was a really strong TV match. Yeah, I feel like these two actually get better the more times they wrestle each other. And maybe that's just them figuring out their chemistry with one another. But very impressive raw television match. Yeah, I like this match. Can I make a note about Andrade's uh, ring rope? Yes, yes. Like... I think this thing is so fucking orange. It's unbelievable. It looks like Hulk Hogan's like got skinned and they made a robe out of his skin or something. But like, I'm thinking it was like gifted him by his future father-in-law and said, "Hey, Andretti, brother, here you go." He's, and Andretti's like, "I don't want to piss off Ric Flair. Okay, I got to wear this fucking thing." And then he just got the most orange set of like long tights as well to go with his new uh, his new robe. Looks tremendous though. I love it. Orange is a tough color to pull off. Uh, there was a Miz and Mrs. promo, which is coming back at the end of the month. Match gets restarted. Uh, there's a sunset flip that sends Andrade into the post on the apron. Crowd is chanting, this is awesome. And the big spot sees uh, um, Andrade roll to the floor. Ray's caught on his shoulders. And then Andrade throws Ray into Zelina Vega, and she is knocked out. Ray reacts with the same reaction you would have if you had accidentally shot somebody. He was devastated. And in the ring... Andrade tries to go for the hammerlock DDT and John Cohn steps in to stop this from happening and they're trying to surmise that there must be an injury to Ray. He just goes back to the floor and is like in tears about Zelina Vega. Andrade has to force him back into the ring to re-engage and do the hammerlock DDT, hits it and pins him at five minutes and 18 seconds. I was a little confused by whatever John Cohn was doing here and it didn't really play into any kind of story, but... I, I thought overall this was a really strong match to uh, kick off Raw. Yeah, from all accounts, uh, seemed like the highlight of the show. And afterwards, Andrade tore off Ray's mask and handed it to Zelina Vega as a as a prize. And Ray had to put a towel over his head, so it looks like we're, we're teasing the maybe mask versus hair or so, or some or mask versus Zelina's hair. No, it's mask versus Andrade's neck. I think he watched Wrestle Kingdom. He's like, fuck these guys. I'm going to try to break my neck in a match taking bumps as well. 
uh, a neck has never been put up on the line in a match, so maybe that could be our first time ever, along with the first ever fist fight that we're getting next week. So, fist fight. Yeah, we've never seen a fist fight before huh. in a pro wrestling show. Charlie is with Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. Owens explains, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They both need one another. Joe has a brand new t-shirt. This one might be on the list for best merchandise. Night, night with a bunch of Zs on them. Um, Anyone yeah, else could not pull this one off. So Samoa Joe really uh, stretching people's uh, desire for merchandise if uh, he can he can make this one a hot seller. Joe proposes a six-man tag tonight because Joe knows a guy. I know a guy. But he won't tell Kevin Owens. He's not going to tell Charlie. But Rollins and AOP should be worried. And that would be the hook for the show was who was the mystery partner going to be. Rollins and AOP accepted the challenge afterwards. The Street Profits come out. This was pretty brazen that after last week's horrendous backstage interview, these guys were given a live mic in the ring. So clearly got a second chance here. This was fine. And then we go into our tag title match. It's a three-way with the Viking Raiders, the Street Profits, and Way's favorite tandem, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows for the Raw tag titles. We did get chin lock spots. Uh, We got the heat on Montez Ford. Um... Gallows got sent uh, over the barricade to uh, Eric was the one who who was thrown over by Gallows to set up the commercial break. We come back. Dawkins fires up. There's a sky high. Ford comes off with a frog splash while Anderson makes a blind tag. Ford hits a Topicon hero to the floor. And then the Viking Raiders return. And it ends with Ivar coming off with a splash onto Carl Anderson after a power bomb. And they retain the titles in 15 minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah, this is fine. But I have one complaint. This show is really fucking red. The lighting, the ropes, everything, and it's raw. I, I, but what the street? It's very are, blue on Tuesday. The street poppers are like like one of four, five acts wearing red, and it's just like just jarring uh, to me. You know, I I actually quite agree, and I think it's like it's I don't whatever. Like I think raw looks good. Like it, it the production wise, it is really good. But I think they're they're. They're reliant on the on the on the show branding a little bit too much, and I think pr- principally the the thing that makes it look so red is the crowd splash, the red light splashing on the crowd, which I kind of find unnecessary. You know, I, yes, it's important to distinguish between your two shows, but um, it's too red. Yeah, just memo: don't wear red. If you're talent, don't wear red. Just wear yellow, blue. I don't fucking care. Just don't wear red. What about orange? Orange robes. Hey, if it's as long as it's gifted by Ric Flair, that's okay. Charlie was with Joe, again, is pestering him about who the partner is. Owens comes in and says, I'm pretty eager, too, because I've done some bad things to people on this roster, and I want to know who it is. Joe says, how about I show you? And Charlie follows them, the intrepid reporter that she is, and they come back from break, and they open a door. And it's a dark room. This is the mysterious room we're supposed to believe. Owens walks in, takes a look, smiles. He is very satisfied with the partner, but it's not good news for Seth Rollins and AOP. As we leave. Okay, so what was the big show doing in a dark room? I, I'm i almost certain this was to make everyone believe it was going to be Aleister Black and then do this was just to so, swerve people. Right, so it wasn't. And it was instead the big show in a completely dark room. Maybe he just didn't. He's like, I didn't have to work one match last year. Got a really healthy downside. Maybe they won't find me in this room. I'm just going to stay with the lights out. Tucked in the corner. Haven't wrestled since 2018. I'm good. I'll show up to TV. Just don't look for me. Becky Lynch walks out. 
She's very happy to hear the fans' voices, and her life has changed a lot over the past year. She's been on the road, but had a lot of time to reflect over the holidays. It says, I could be content. I could just coast and be a star and avoid the woman that I can't beat. And they show footage of her loss to Asuka at Rumble last year. Asuka comes out, cuts her fiery promo, and gets into Becky's face, and Becky just drops her with a, I guess, the man's right? Is that what we call this? Sure, sure. The counter to Lacey. And she just leaves while Asuka is furious. What'd you think, WH? Well, like, I like Becky's, like, homage to Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She's licking her lips a lot. It might be as dry in that building as it is in our hotel room here. In the Japan. chapstick in Japan is fantastic. It is, it well, is wonderful. I gotta say, one thing I have learned uh, just in the last hour is that Wei has his temperature here at 28 Dude, I'm I'm rocking 19. In oh, my I'm room. sorry, man. No, 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 no. It's I'm, not even it's I'm, not even that cold. It's, it's not even that hot in I'm here. I'm pretty damn cold, and like I'm trying to like you know make sure I don't get sick. So I'm, I'm turning this stuff up. He, he had soup for breakfast. Everyone. I only drank soup. Like I drank miso soup. I drank cream corn. I yeah. So it was a very fluid uh, filled breakfast. Just just a note about like I can't understand everything Asuka is saying because she's speaking very fast. And oh, but heavy. tell us what you made out. Well, she's speaking very fast and and uh, and and like heavy Osaka dialect, which is where she's from. And did she order coffee? She did not order coffee, John. But she basically she she said something to the to the effect of like you can't beat me. Muri muri means like difficult, impossible. Uh, and then she called Becky Baka several times, which just means idiot. So mm. She has no respect for Becky. I I would never call Becky Lynch an idiot. I like her a lot, but maybe Asuka does not feel the same way. I, I like this program. They have not overthought it. It's she can't beat this woman. She's going. The win means something, and they're not trying to get too cute. And sometimes when you've got five weeks to build a pay per view, it's like we got to come up with ideas, and they're keeping this very simple. I like the program a lot too. I love how it's Becky Lynch saying uh, introducing self doubt. You know, which is I think really unusual for a WWE champion to do. You know, especially somebody who is on on your video game covers like a Becky Lynch to say, "Hey, I'm not sure if I can do it." Which is why I don't know if I completely understood why they decided to do at the end what they did here with Becky simply decking Asuka. To me, it was like, isn't this the time to to continue to give more to Asuka so that Becky continue, can continue to doubt herself some more? Rather than just having Becky, you know, deliver, I would say, a pretty weak-looking punch, but like, you know, laying Asuka out right here. I, I, I can totally uh, give you that because... It's the same complaint we had about that setup for Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy a few weeks ago. Like Black's going over in this thing, and you're trying to build this these two uh, very two equals going at it. And the setup is Black Mass and Murphy leaves unconscious before the match, and it just seems like that that little punctuation or exclamation point at the end of the segment you could have done without make people make them earn that pop at the so, end so i see these see this and i'm like well becky why are you why do you have to doubt yourself at all you just laid her out with one punch you know i i felt that was a little bit hmm. it was um I, I was i was gonna go for a word but i it's escaping me now schreiber is baka. With, yeah it could be baka. baka schreiber is with andrade and vega and andrade just in Spanish hair, cuts a promo, holding Ray's mask, and he gets... This was shot very well. Ray comes in, and it's just the back mm-hmm. of his head, and he is losing it. Vega is screaming at the top of her lungs. It really conveyed the chaos, and then he takes back the mask and puts it back on him. I, I thought this was r- really well done. I agree. I thought it was uh, blocked well. It looked great, came across great. The intensity, you know, you, it felt strong. Um, 
Any thoughts, WH? No, same. I thought it was just shot really well with like just not being able to see. Uh, I know I skipped over a second. Uh, <laughs> not being able to see Ray's face and just the back of his head. And I thought, oh, he's unmasked. That's awesome. Yeah, loved it. Prior to this, Eric Rowan runs into Mojo Raleigh backstage. And he's carrying his cage that is uh, hidden. And Mojo wants to look at what's inside. So... Rowan relents, and after all this time of protecting what's in here, he shows him. And Mojo Rawley has to give a Razzies-level performance to sell the horror of what's inside of this cage, culminating with, What is wrong with you, man? And I don't know what the fuck was going on here. I don't know what the hell is going on later in this show with Rowan and this goddamn creature, but... This was the point where I had my earplugs ready because I thought I was going to hear screams down the hall that would be reminiscent of Mojo Raleigh, but coming from WH Park. Oh, yeah. See, uh, this show has been... How, ma- to- how many fucks did you get during this? Because you two watched the show. I watched this on my own. There were a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really... I, I was thinking, this this frost's not bad. I'm probably going to disappoint everyone. But then this came on. I was like, what the fuck is this fucking shit? This is like Mojo Raleigh... This guy's been shit his whole career in the WWE. He's had shit gear. He's got that shit fucking fucking football face paint on his fucking face. And then he can cut a good promo when he needs to. But now he's just another fucking jobber in this company. Rowan. I used to like this guy. Now he's carrying a fucking cage with like what? What's inside there? The Great Muda's fucking head or something? I think it was an episode of Raw. Considering your your reaction. Yeah. Like I've not seen a Raw since, you know, SummerSlam weekend at O'Grady's. And now I got this... It was it was good, and then it turned to this fucking shit. Well, I mean, listen, it's the worst was yet to come, I suppose. No, this is true. To this type of stuff, but I I find it so stupid, especially the terrible acting from Mojo Raleigh here. But I do get a kick out of it from like just you know like a sixth sense, like <laughs> seeing these grown adults try to like you know act as if is that the payoff at the end that the there's actually nothing in the cage? It's not alive. Everyone no, else there's is just seeing something. something. Like, didn't didn't it spray mist or something into that jobber's maybe, face? Maybe it's not human. Maybe it's uh, no, it's the great Muda's head. That's what he's got in there. It's got to be a severed head, or I. It's not Muda's head because I just saw it two days ago. No, no, you saw Keiji Muda's head. Oh, you didn't say the great Muda's head. Okay. Then we have <laughs> this. This was awesome. It was so, okay. So, so, so let me just. So now that they've established this. It has to be something physical, right? It can't just be nothing. Because then why yeah, would Mojo yeah, Rawley yeah. sell it? It has to be something. Yes. They've, they, they have given you that, that conclusion. There has yeah. to be something in there that right. can uh, project Got a it. red substance. Eric Rowan then killed this job guy in 24 seconds with the Iron Claw. And then afterwards, the job guy gets sprayed in the face by whatever this creature is. And he had to top Mojo Rawley by going up the ramp to the back, and I don't know. I, I thought this was pretty fucking great. Like, I, I, I love this shit. Sorry, WH. It's like, it's like so stupid, and I what all I ask from these jobber matches is that they give me some slight variation on your typical jobber match, and they've changed it now so that the gimmick is like, rather than like a jobber wanting to know what's inside and nobody getting to see it, it's now Eric Rowan saying, I'm going to make you look inside, and you're going to be so horrified you're never going to want to look at it again. And now it even spits. Listen, this job guy has a name. It's KJ Orso. And KJ, if you're listening, brother, hey, 1984 wants its tights back. What the fuck are you wearing, dude? 
AJ Styles versus Akira Tozawa. Okay, let me just say, like, this match came on. WH is like, oh my god, AJ versus Tozawa? This is going to be great. And I said, you haven't been following Akira Tozawa of late, have you? <laughs> Don't get your hopes up, <laughs> These guys are getting a minute. They actually got two. Um, they announced Styles and Orton for next week in Lexington, Kentucky. And then Styles just lifts up Tozawa after going for a cover and starts doing all the Randy Orton spots. He's slapping the mat. He hits an RKO to pin Tozawa in two minutes and ten seconds. The kicker was AJ getting onto the turnbuckle, and they do the jib shot. Great, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Uh, it was very funny. Uh <laughs> this is certainly the, the bait and switch if you were someone that was excited to see AJ Styles and Akira Tozawa on Raw. But I think if you've been following Raw, you would not have been stunned by the, all this was. Was Akira Tozawa as a setup to the real match, which is next week. He was a generic body for AJ to do Orton's moves on. Yes. So disappointing. I was so Dragon Gate alumni that does not get promo time. Please. Tozawa, please. If you're listening, please leave. Go back to Dragon Gate. Go back. Go to New Japan. They'll use you. They'll push you. Look at Kenta. Jesus. Anyways, another thing. AJ wearing red. Fuck. I fucking hate this color now. Really. Like, are, does everyone on fucking SmackDown wear blue? Um, I think AJ did when he was on. AJ Smackdown. definitely color coordinated with the shows yeah. he was on. Fuck like, you, like it's deliberate that he's got red on. Sasha has blue hair. Um, at least the Fiend's not on Raw anymore because it would have been very red. Um, so did you keep watching this as they went to break? No. So, like, as AJ's walking up the ramp, you see somebody, like, run into the ring and just, like, basically slide underneath the ropes. And the camera cuts to the hard cam, and security is just, like, pouncing on this dude. And Wait a minute. So this was a commercial? Was it, like, this picture was, in this picture? Was as they were going to commercial. Oh, so, I, I missed this. So as AJ was walking up the ramp, like, they, they cut to – they almost, like, focused on it. They focused from the hard cam on this security – you know, stopping what looked to be a fan running into the ring. Wearing a suit. That was what Wearing confusing. a suit. Confusing. So then, like, online, I'm, like, looking at it. Somebody took a photo in the crowd and, like, oh, who makes a run in, into an empty ring wearing a suit? Then, then the next segment occurred. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking pastor making his way into the ring for the segment. So they it's, thought it's the security. pastor was a fan yeah. and they tackled him. Yes. That's awesome. It was all on TV. Oh, man. I don't know. How I'm, you know what happened was when they went to the breaks, that's when I was getting up and, like, walking out. So. But, like, why, why – I guess the pastor, rather than walk up the stairs like a pastor would, decided to slide underneath the ring like somebody – like like he was a wrestler or, like, you know, a fan actually – Thinks he's one of the boys. Yeah. Just, just like Fat Masa here in New Japan. Oh, my. Yes. So Lashley and Lana come out. Oh, this segment is infinitely better after that knowledge. And – they get married on the spot here. He pronounces them husband and wife, and then they have by far their tamest kiss to date. Lana tells the minister that he's boring and shoes him out of the ring. I uh, hope he didn't end up in jail. And she says, no one wants to see this ring on her finger. She runs down the fans as basic, pathetic civilians. They're all jealous of their love. Lashley says that the worst one is Lana's ex-husband, Rusev, who wasn't mad enough to keep his wife. And I'll just say they're they're giving Lana like the lion's share of the dialogue, and I think that we have such a low bar for what great promos on Raw are that people are starting to believe like, oh, Lana's like a really great talker. I could not disagree more. I feel that she is. I, I don't know. It just does not work so, for me. I mean, is there a difference between being comfortable in front of a camera and, and delivery? Being, yes, yeah. I think so. It's to me, it's still very much just like she's just got this weird 
like flow to her words that it's a lot of it seems improvised actually much of like when, what she's been doing I think somewhat like I think she does have like her, her points to hit but is very much just trying to combat the reaction as well um, I don't know it's um, I wouldn't I would almost like shudder to, to like say that this these are even wrestling promos it's more just like somebody trying to like field I guess negative reaction so then we see uh, Rusev appear on the screen with a green screen of a beach behind him as he announces, it is I, Rusev, from Rusev Day. What what was going through your head when once this popped up, WH? First of all, I'm thinking, are they getting fucking married again? I thought I was spared this, like, not watching they, it last they week. They didn't say I do last week. And then this pastor fucking sucks. This guy's a terrible actor. He obviously doesn't know how to conduct himself in a wrestling environment. Uh, he Lana, just got jumped, dude. I know. They're like, why did we get rid of Bischoff? Oh, he should have Bischoff. Lana, she's fucking terrible on promos. I don't watch <laughs> enough, but I was like watching this. I'm thinking, please just go back to being fucking Russian because you're probably better at that. Just using a fake accent. You know, she feel- was very good at the Russian character. Yeah, she's fine at that. But lastly, what I love while she's talking, he's just smiling. He's got this shit-eating grin. I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, man, they're paying me all this fucking money to do nothing. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, but yeah, keep going. This he had a nice suit though. I did like his suit. Very nice. But keep going, John. I have more thoughts later, I'm sure. Yes. At Way0937 for my favorite video so far this year that occurred during this segment. Um, He announces that they are Mrs. and Mrs. Bob said that they should open up a joint bank account together, which they used to have before Lana wiped them out. So I guess he's he's broke now. And Lana did not dispute this. So that that is... uh, I don't know the legalities of just uh, wiping out your significant other like that monetarily, but... That's the reason he must take this job. He's decided to take his own honeymoon, and he put together a wedding album for them, which was a bunch of stills over top of uh, wedding theme music from last week. And Lana notes that she hates Rusev, and then she's screaming at the top of her lungs when Lashley finally tells Lana, shut up. And he cuts a promo on Rusev and said that you used to have a wife, and I have stripped you of your manhood. And if you have any balls left, I'm asking you to show up with them next week so I can strip them off you and shove them down your damn throat. So next week, we are not only going to get the first ever fist fight, we are going to get a ball swallowing. <laughs> I read my notes. I'm, we're getting a castration angle. Not seen. Oh, it's going to be a Kayantai tribute. Val, Val Venus segment years ago. Yeah, but they're choppy, go, choppy. They're, his Rusev day. They're going to go further. They're going to shove them down each other's throats. Shove them down against their will. There is so much wrong with this on so many levels. Rusev then says, "No, that will not work next week. It's the return of the Bulgarian brute. I will brutalize every portion of your body." And if there's anything left, it's all yours, Lana. <laughs> Clearly, oh, uh, a retaliation promo that was also designed to elicit a connection to Bob's balls. Bob's balls. That if, if there's anything left, they're Lana's. Okay. I'd, you know, I was really disappointed because on Friday there was a DDT show. I couldn't make it, make make it there because uh, Stardom was running a show, but I feel like I got my fill 
on this episode of Raw. Of Didn't Saki Kashima cut a similar promo to this at the end of the Stardom show? Um, yeah, I'm going to make you swallow my balls. That's right, yeah. But, um, I mean, clearly it's it's just they're going for camp with this angle. I mean, this this green screen of, like, a beach in the background with, like, Rusev in a Hawaiian shirt. Um, lines like this. Rusev's wardrobe has certainly been oh, a high ended. point of this this run. Yeah, but uh, please, I'm interested in your thoughts, W. The floor is yours. What human being fucking talks like this? I, I know he's not an American. He doesn't like you know he's not his native tongue. But like Jesus Christ, like the stuff Bobby was saying as well. And it, I don't know. No human talks like this. I don't care if you're like pretending you're Russian, Bulgarian, you're you're you know you're a stereotypical Asian character. No human talks like this. This is bullshit. I, it was like I was like ready to just like tap out. Way you know I was like oh I know. <laughs> Like I was like Jay White last night in a in one of Sonata's like mo- submission moves. Oh. I think it, I guess it's just something that I don't even think that much about anymore because I've been watching Raw for so long. Like I'm not even ex- I don't expect natural human dialogue anymore when I'm watching. Like I, I expect. Uh, Why would we want natural human yeah. dialogue? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what I would expect. It's like as, as, honestly, I don't even want to sound crude, but like the mo- the best comparison I can make is like the type of dialogue you'd find in a porno and the type of acting you would find in a porno. It's just like that kind of low budget, you know, bad acting, bad lines, um, camp, really. I've seen better acting in like a dinner theater. <laughs> wow. You've been to, uh, what was the last dinner theater? I can't remember, but I'm sure it was better than this Never been shit. to one. <laughs> I, if I go to one, it'll be better than this shit. Oh, perhaps. From there, we go to Charlie backstage with R-Truth, who recently set the record for the most championships ever won in this company. Take that, Bruno. All right. Wow. Awesome. Liv Morgan walks in, just interrupts, and says that Lana is going to be in Lashley's corner next week, so Rusev will need someone in his corner, and that's a moment that she would live for. Jesus Christ. There's a great moment where, like, like <laughs> WH repeats the line, and he's like, oh, that's a pun. Okay. <laughs> Why does she look like Dana Brooke now? Why does every blonde woman look like Charlotte Flair in this company? That's what I want to know. Well, that takes us to Charlotte Flair versus Sarah Logan. That was next. That never got started. Flair came out to pro, uh, to Pyro and okay, but, but sorry. What do you think? Of, is there more analysis uh, to this? What was, I mean is like Liv Morgan's return was built up to for a number of weeks with those vignettes, and we had the big moment last week. And, you know, I suppose this was more just, like, her announcing that there, there will be more to come. But she's supposed to be a babyface, right? She's opposing Lana. Yes. And she's teaming up with Rusev. She should have been Rusev. on the honeymoon with Rusev. Sure. I, I, I guess it's it's still early, but I, I, I think this makeover has been pretty weak thus far. And I really don't see this working as a babyface gimmick. No, probably not. Um, it, it's not upsetting my world in any way, though. Okay. Charlotte Flair and Sarah Morgan. Uh, they Sarah pl- Logan. Who did I say? Sarah Morgan? Sorry. Sarah Logan. No one cares. It's been a while. Uh, they plug backstage with The Miz on this week. Um, maybe we'll get a live report from Renee. The wrestling oh, she took in this past weekend. Maybe. Uh, Logan jumps her. They brawl into the crowd. The bell never rings to start the match. And then Logan is in the ring with Charlotte's robe. And she takes the robe, and she proceeds to whip it onto the mat. Um, robe, robes do not break. They're, they they, they shed. I guess maybe that was the attempt. 
Flair attacked her, and then Flair got sent to the post, came back with a big boot, reclaimed the robe, and walked out, prevailing this seg- in this segment. There was no match, right? No match. Okay. My notes. That's are, for another week. My notes are Charlotte versus Deer Antler Face, because that's what I'm assuming the face paint on Sarah Logan's face was supposed to be. She looked like the poster child for Guns and Ammo magazine in this match. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This is fuck. This fucking sucked. I mean, I was just surprised she didn't fucking injure her like she did Kyrie in the TLC match. Thankful. The match got thrown out because of the robe. Um, well, because of the pre-match attack. Okay. Sure. So they're doing this again. Charlotte versus Sarah yeah. Logan. Ro- right. Robe holds barred. They announced for the Rumble, joining Lesnar and Roman Reigns, who had been previously announced. Eric Rowan's in the Rumble. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, and Ricochet. So Rico Chad. Start handicapping your, your picks. No way, Jose. Drew McIntyre. This was all about getting Drew McIntyre over in a babyface role. He had kind of... Like, this was the strongest in that direction. He comes out. He destroys the conga line. Belly to belly to Jose. And then... The conga line dude trips, trips over the steps and gets chopped and takes an Alabama slam onto the apron, the inverted Alabama slam. Future Shock DDT, Claymore, with the 3-2-1 countdown that he's mm-hmm. trying to get over in a minute 43. And then afterwards, Drew gets on the mic and says, who dares me to do one more Claymore? All right, who double dares me to hit another Claymore? To which Lawler says, glad we didn't get to the double dog dare. And he hits the Claymore as the crowd chants one more time. Great role for No Way Jose. Has he become, has Drew McIntyre become like a children's enter, like birthday party entertainer? He's like the, Who um, dares me, he's like the, um, the entertainment for the evening. Three, two, one. Like they must think we're so stupid. It's like, oh, we've hired, we've hired the wrestler for the kid's eighth birthday party. Like in order to turn this guy baby face, we're going to add a three, two, one to his finisher before he does it. Yeah. And then we're going to get him to double dog dare his audience. No, no, no. Only double dare. Double dare. I'm sorry. But it works. Like I can't say it doesn't work because I think they are, they are turning him baby face effectively. So he hits the claymore. Does a kip up and he held on to the microphone for this sequence and notes that fact. He says, I've always hated conga lines, except for that guy, as he points out. Um, also, WH's favorite conga line member, that's Cheeseburger. And he said he never had one opportunity to ever fight for the title, meaning NXT no longer exists in Raw Canon. And he is entering the Royal Rumble and again does his countdown. Um, this was a significant push uh for drew mcintyre who feels like he is the guy that this is like mania season and this is the kind of stuff that you can always see like let's let's get him with like some little catchy uh catchphrase uh with this three Three, two two, one that's it that's it (laughs) and um adding more character to this guy or at least attempting to and to your point way like this this was not um groundbreaking content or dialogue but it did get over with this crowd i I thought we are we are children at a children's party watching Raw. I thought the red on people was bad. No, I'm sorry. I stand corrected. Lime green, worse. No, Jose. Jose. What about Tanahashi's lime green this weekend? It's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. Don't ever disparage this uh, Tanahashi. Okay. Don't ever. Don't ever compare you, him to fucking No Way Jose. If, you, if, if No Way Jose could wrestle like Hiroshi Tanahashi, I think WH would change his mind. No, he still looks like shit. Like that. The the the, the armbands. That what what is that? And then they're lime green, and his tights are lime green. No, he's 
terrible. Anyways, I just gotta say, Drew McIntyre, when did he get so tan? Because this this man is like like been spending too much time in the sun. Hey, SPF five hundred, Drew, look it up, dude. Like it's not good for your skin. He's gonna look like he's like how old is he now? Ugh. I would say early 30s. At the rate he's going with his tanning, like he's going to look like he's 50 by the time he's 45. Or he's going to look like he's 60 by the time he's 45. Well, the the other big project, Alistair Black took on Shelton Benjamin. They had a short match. Black scissored the arm going for an omoplata, and then Benjamin deadlift to slam him out of that. Benjamin hit a head kick, responded with a flying knee, and then Black lifts him up with the boot, Black Mass, in 243 allowing Buddy Murphy to jump Alistair from behind, tosses him into the timekeeper's area, running knee to the jaw, and then placed a chair under Black's chin to hold his head in place as he drilled him with a knee. And Murphy just sits down on top of the barricade. So maybe Shibata's going to come after one of these two. Oh. These cross-legged... Cross-legged guys? Phonies. Um... Yeah, I will say I think it's interesting to compare these two because it's clear that Drew and Black are your two major projects on Raw. I think okay. they have separated themselves from the pack, yep. but who do you feel is kind of the front runner at this point between these two because I saw a much larger emphasis tonight on Drew McIntyre. I think Drew is already somewhat established into like a main event mentor, main eventer's role where I think Alistair Black feuding with Buddy Murphy seems to firmly put him in the lower mid-card, upper mid-card section. So I would say if you're going to have anybody go farther right now, um, it seems to be Drew McIntyre. But I think the long term, for me, it's Alex I, I see more in black yeah. long term. How about you? Oh, black. I, I just think if they were gonna really serious about Drew McIntyre, they would have sustained his push from the time he re-debuted in the company. And he was pretty hot then, but they don't seem to have any faith in him and... I think Alistair Black, despite all the kind of like you know, mishandling of his of him in Raw, like not having wrestled that much and doing the you know the, those promos in the boiler room. By the way, the right, room, the, the room, just those are great, anyways, because your impersonation, you know, everyone's got their thing. WH, it's, it's, it's I'm great. not a I'm not it's a fashionista, but, so. But yeah, I, I I I think Black has a lot more upside. I think he's such a fresh you know character in wrestling, not just the WWE, but yeah. I do say about this match, there's felt parts like these guys were not in sync, like uh, Shelton and Alistair Black. And I was kind of saying, no way, I wish we could watch this at 1.5 times the speed. I mean, it was only like a minute and a half, was it? Like two, 243. Uh, it wouldn't. It felt longer. You could watch it, yeah, probably in one minute. But yeah. Who who stands out to you as, you know, it, th- this rumble, it's very much like a clean slate of who you're going to pair with Lesnar. And if you're just looking at the raw roster, who jumps out at you? Like you know, th- these two would be among among candidates. These, yeah, you know, I'd love to see Alistair. I think that's too soon, though. I I would say it's kind of too soon for for either of them because I I couldn't see either of them beating Brock Lesnar. I just don't know who else. Yeah, um, it could be somebody from SmackDown. You could do that. You know? like um, if you're in the Rumble, like there's really the options are there. Kofi Kingston is there, and I think a lot of people, um, perhaps by this point, have given up. But I, it's possible. Um, it could be also who's the last person that he faced? Ray. Um, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't see them revisiting that. I don't see them revisiting. Oh yeah, Ray's on Raw. What am I saying? Ray's on Raw. Yeah. So, I would want it to be Kofi personally. They shot. Uh, or they aired a couple of promos for the Takeover special on Sunday, and then the main event was Seth Rollins and AOP against Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, and the mystery partner, The Big Show. The wet fart. That's what I called it. Well, <laughs> that's. The potential rebranding. 
Uh, Rollins said he knows what's best for the people. Need to eliminate the people that impede progress. So he did. I say guess it, what would progress? Is it the British wrestling experience and the grapple spotlight show. <laughs> did he, he said progress? That's not. That's progress. what. That's what I'm quoting here. So. so. Um, I didn't know if he was speaking uh, metaphorically about impeding progress or talking about those that maybe have uh, impeded progress. So um, they, they're they really pushing this new Monday Night Messiah for Seth Rollins that, God, I could, I could imagine them having a, a t-shirt that gets complaints. What's better, that or? The chosen one. Three, two, one. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just like saw him kept saying he's the chosen one. I'm like, get horrible flashbacks of fucking WCW, Jeff Jarrett, Vince Russo. Isn't Drew bookend. McIntyre the chosen one? No, it's Seth now. Like Drew's like Mr. Fucking Ten now. Like, yeah, more than one chosen one. That's yeah. that's tr- the trademarked for it. He's Mr. the chosen Mr. Three. Fucking Tan. He's the chosen three, two, one. Yeah. Uh, so, show is out. Uh, last match was in November of 2018. They went through the break. Cannonball is delivered by Owens to Rollins, and then they take over and get the heat on Rollins after Razor pushes him off the turnbuckle. There's a crowd of We Want Big Show. I did not hear that down the hallway. And then there's a hot tag made to Big Show. Big reaction as he clears the ring. Joe gets sent into the steps. Rollins is caught coming off the top, but then Show turns his attention to AOP, grabbing both by the throat. Rollins gets the chair, nails him in the back for the DQ at 10 minutes and 13 seconds. He needs his iron fingers. Uh, Seth? Yeah. Okay, what's with that glove? That's so he broke his fingers recently, oh. and he's been using this glove. I actually, don't mind the glove. It's it's weird, but there was I, I think that he started using it in in conjunction with the, these fingers that he had. Like two of them were like taped up. Okay, just as long as there's a reason. I just like when is he doing it? A Michael Jackson homage? What the? <laughs> okay, he's got a reason. I, I'm okay I with the glove. Know. I'm okay with the glove. Owen stops a curb stomp from happening, and Big Show nails Rollins with a knockout punch. So I'm guessing we're going to get Rollins and Show on TV. Jesus Christ. Well, first, it's the fist fight. Yes. Next week, they are building up next week's Raw to be a big show. They mm. had four match announcements, which is uh, a lot for this company. So next week, we're going to get Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy for the third time, Bobby Lashley and Isn't Rusev. Isn't that strange? Like, Black is 2-0 and in this trilogy thus far. I guess it's just keeping him busy, and he's going to beat the guy get, again. I mean, could you not have had Murphy cheat to win that second one? I don't think they want to beat Black. I think they're... Even cheating to win? Come on. Um, Orton and AJ, and then this match was made within 10 seconds of the ending of this finish. They're like, this just in. It's a rematch of the main event. It is so last minute that they still have the Mystery Man graphic there. They haven't even updated it with a Big Show JPEG. And mm-hmm. it will be the first ever... Fist fight. So, f- closed fists are legal, which I guess they've always been for Big Show because of his finish. But nonetheless, it will be the f- first ever fist fight in WWE history, they said. I'm so sad. I'm not going to be watching this next week. Or, You're not going to join us? Or or in coming weeks, any bra. It's, I just keep up listening to you guys. Tell us your final thoughts about this experience as a whole. Um, well, truthfully, I, I, I thought it was a decent show. Like, I thought there were a lot of good matches on there. I thought the first half was actually a, a very good Raw. Um, just like these segments where people have to talk, those are the worst things. Just because, like, these writers – and Buck stops with Vince McMahon, but this this man is fucking clueless about how real humans talk. He, he obviously is stuck in the 1960s with, like, watching entertainment from there. And then people talk like this still, right? God damn it. No, 
since they fucking don't watch some HBO for God's sakes, okay? But was it a horrible experience? No, it wasn't a horrible experience. There's a lot of good stuff, and there's some comedy, unintentional, obviously, mm-hmm. but I still found amusing. I liked Drew McIntyre beating up the conga line. That that brought me a lot of you joy. Went, you went crazy for that. Like I as soon it. as Drew, as soon as Drew like went after the conga line, he was like WH was just like. Yes, yes, get that guy, get that guy. Kill them all. And then he was like, there's women there. I'm like, hey, listen, all the all the outlaw mud show meme wrestling fucking fans out there love like intergender. Hey, there you go. You potentially could have had some intergender on WWE television, but we were denied it. I'm sorry. It, you know, uh, I think um, my only complaint about this show was the fact that it was probably the length of uh, Raw um, that always feels a little bit too long, but I, I, think- I had no issue with it watching it at this time of the day, and, and I watched this thing live, so I have no excuses. I I thought it was so much easier watching this during the day. Um, I, I it, it was a show that there was definitely some like the wedding stuff. It's listen, there's people that are into this stuff. Uh, that was kind of a low point of the show for me, but I would say as a whole. I thought this – it feels like Raw, they have been slowly building some of these acts. And there was a really dry period of Raw that we've been watching for the last couple of months. And it seems like they do have a lot of different combinations now. And you have something to build to around the Rumble. And, and there's some interesting directions at this point. And I really love that Ray and Andrade match. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought – you know, it certainly is is interesting going from a uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling type of product over to to this. They're very different shows, and I think they deserve to be watched separately in different ways with different expectations. Um, I think if you're judging this Raw based on prior Raws, I thought this was certainly an improvement over last week. It didn't make me go crazy. Okay, so we're going to go to the forum. A few pieces of feedback here. I put up two polls. So tonight's Raw gets a 5.68, while New Year's Dash gets a seven. Oh, there you go. Brandon from Oshawa writes, best part of New Year Dash was the LIJ chaos tag as well as the Moxley Suzuki stuff. I really want to give a spotlight to the commentary on all three nights. I was a little weary of a four-person team, but they were awesome and had great chemistry. Chris Charlton and Gino Gambino really shined for me. Raw was decent. I'm intrigued by Brock being in the Rumble, and I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for showdowns in the match. I like the show-long story of the third man, but was disappointed in Big Show. I was expecting a heel turn. With the big fist fight next week, have any of you ever been in one, and what are the rules? I haven't been in a WWE-sanctioned fist fight. I have no idea what the rules are. It means you uh, you try to hide uh, slapping the thigh, and you beat them to a pulp, So what, no kicks? No, no wrestling moves? Just punching? Yeah, you should only be allowed to do punches. A boxing match. Yeah. A bare-knuckle boxing match. Yeah, this is going to be bare-knuckle. Yeah. In, Kent- in Kentucky, I'm sure they'll allow it. Um, I'm interested. Andrew from Cape Breton says, I'll be honest. Raw was on in the background while I organized my living room, but after that was done, I saw Way record WH on Twitter and saw WH shake his head dismissively during a wedding recap. It also seems Rusev has a new gimmick. He'll spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Anyway, Raw was the usual fare tonight, but since WH is on, a few questions. What do you think would fit well in New Japan on the current roster? Who do you think would fit well on, on, the, on New Japan on the current WWE roster? And who from tonight would simply be a Chase Owens-level jobber? Okay, some of them WWE roster. Like, well, you said Tozawa. You'd love to see him in, what, the junior heavyweight division? Junior heavyweight division. I'd love to see Cesaro in the WWE. Um, maybe surprising to some people, I'd love to see Roman Reigns. I think he would do really well in, in the strong style setting. I think Seth Rollins would be great, actually. Like, I, think I think he's a, a good worker, yeah. Like, I, especially as a heel, I think he's a much... 
more natural character worker than like Jay White is. I think Jay White's just like kind of like stuck in being a combo character. Like that's just my opinion of obviously. Um, Gable. Gable. Gale. Oh, fuck yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, who would be a jobber? Like you know, like they they hire like indie guys to be the ditch diggers in New Japan. That's why they have Chase Owens and like as much people love him, like he's just a ditch digger. Okay, he's a jobber. He's but a great one. He's 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 very effective in his role. I'm not gonna say he's not. He is, but that's his role. And like I don't think they would take away someone from the WB just to be uh, enhancement talent. Like they would just hire someone who's cheap and doesn't doesn't isn't gonna cost a lot of money. So. No one from the WB really would be hired by New Japan to be a, a jobber. Nas from New York City. Why did the referee stop Andrade from hitting his finisher at first? That ending was so confusing, ruined so much of the good stuff before it. Love the idea of Brock in the Rumble. I'm salivating at the idea of Brock going face-to-face with Matt Riddle. For someone who didn't watch Wrestle Kingdom, Raw was pretty good tonight. However, the third member being Big Show annoyed me. We'll go to Tyler from Orlando who says, I haven't seen New Year Dash yet, so only Raw review with me tonight. What was up with security tackling the guy in the ring? Yeah. While we went over that, I'm glad you caught all that. Was it okay? Yes, uh, he says. I'm guessing Drew officially turned babyface tonight. I guess we. He, I guess he needed something different, but I still don't think they will truly run with him. What the hell is this fist fight thing going to be? I'm gotta. F- I mean, it's really like they don't want to say street fight. It's just you know, it's a six man. Why don't they want to say street fight? Nah, they want to come up with something different. Why though? They just want to have something different, I guess. Why call it a wrestling match? Why, why not make a make a new word for it? I mean, you have a curiosity now, and what, what this is going to be, I guess. I hope everyone wears a single black glove on their fist, and that's just the fit. And you can only use that. To- yeah, coal miner's glove, maybe. Oh yeah, no, Seth miner's glove. <laughs> Brian from New York. I opened up the day hoping for an Abushi or Sonata heel turn, and ended the day praying for not another Big Show one. On New Year's Dash, I was impressed how quickly Bullet Club became so strong at the top of their group. Between Jay White and Kenta, they have two of the strongest pure heels in the company to throw at Naito. WWE has had trouble capitalizing on the momentum of big crowning moments at WrestleMania recently, citing Bryan at 30 and Becky Lynch last year, with suitably exciting programs. Ghetto has effectively created two options that can get him through the winter until the New Japan Cup. Also loved how quickly they've given me more interest in Goto than I've ever had between the heated match with Kenta and the great one with Shingo today and Evil and Ishii in the tag. I'm very excited to see any combination of the four, including more tag matches and perhaps one of the two teams actually entering the tag division. More interesting open weight division can only help in a company that has so many burgeoning single stars and needs something to do. And thanks us for all the content. Yes. So there you go. Thank you very much, Brian. Nick from Lansing says, I have a feeling I'm going to be in the minority, but for what it was, I enjoyed Raw tonight. The first hour was a lot of fun. Ray and Andrade delivered, even with the screwy finish, and that tag title match was exciting. Glad the in-ring skills of the Street Profits are being showcased. It's a better use of them than overwritten backstage segments. They connect with the live crowd so well that it'd be a waste to keep them backstage. I can understand some people not thinking the Big Show was a worthy enough surprise to build up so long, but I like seeing him fighting alongside Samoa Joe, Owens, and a delightful jumping behind him, taunting AOP. Highlights of Dash were the ceremony for Liger and the continuation of Suzuki and Moxley. When Liger stood in the middle of the ring, you could feel the respect every single person in the building had for that man. It was heartwarming. And on the opposite end, my God, will it be satisfying to watch those two scary motherfuckers tear each other apart. Question here for WH. Did you see the guy in the front row dressed as, I believe, Jesse Ventura or possibly Macho Man? What do you think of people dressing up as characters and have you seen any that have blown you away at a live event? 
oh, I have no problem if fans want to do cosplaying. There were some really good ones at Wrestle Kingdom. You know who the best was? The uh, Shockmaster oh, with, yeah. with the wall? The Shockmaster with the wall. That's That was really there great. There was a wall? He had a cardboard wall oh, that his arm tremendous. went through, so it oh. was like he was falling out of it. But That's there was great. like the the guy with the Tanahashi hair with, hanging out with Shinsuke. Yeah, the, the Tanahashi and Nakamura. That, that was a good one I, got a, I, I mean, took a photo of. Facially, no, he's... This man's quite ugly, but good lord, his hair was beautiful, just like Tanahashi's. We go to Cam, who says, I went to Raw tonight, so this may be long. Sorry, but my wife's sister bought us three adult tickets for Christmas. Myself, my wife, who's barely a fan, and my toddler. She loves chaos. From a par- Well, not the group, um, just, just chaos. In general. From a parent's view, and yes, we use the earphones for her. She was alert. So he's speaking of uh, his toddler. She was alert for Brock. Or is he he talking about his wife? I'm not sure. Okay. So anyway, um, she was alert for Brock. She was attentive for Ray versus Almas. She legit started falling asleep during the ever long rest hold during the three way, going in and out the way, all the way until the Rusev angle. And she was interested in the possibly mistaken security guard incident with the pastor. And she loved the wedding angle. And then she went back to. Almost sleep for the rest of the show. We left at the announcement of the big show. My only complaint is that I was facing a clock on the hard cam wall, which was in Eastern time. So not only did I see the wrong time, but the time weighed on me as well. My wife, barely a fan, was mad the at was mad the more interesting matches would be next week and not this week. It's also hard having a job, a kid, and sitting through basically two movies live. An 8 out of 10 show, it was a great live experience, but probably 5 out of 10 if I were at home as I dipped in and out. Bruce writes in from Vancouver. It was interesting to see how, despite some high-profile losses at Wrestle Kingdom, Bullet Club felt like a freshly reinvigorated entity on New Year's Dash. The series Heat Kenta has is palpable, and I'm keen to see how it all plays out, even if Shibata is not involved. Also, while I don't tune into New Year's Dash shows specifically for top-tier matches, boy, howdy, that Chaos LIJ tag was great. Boy, boy howdy. howdy. There wow. you go. That's- Just to make you say that. Very nice. Well, uh, we, let's end things, things off here with Laura from Vancouver, but currently in the Totocon shop here in Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> Dash was which has free Wi-Fi. Yes. Dash was an incredible night live with a lot of surprising high work rate for what is supposed to be an angle focused show. Had incredible seats for Liger's, re- Liger's retirement, which was the thrill of my life. After really realizing that my negative reaction to Kenta ruining Naito's celebration two nights in a row is entirely because I was selfishly wanting to see the full LIJ roll call live in person, I cannot deny that it's an incredibly effective build for Kenta and Naito. I want to see this match and see Naito win now more than ever. Plus, the match is likely in Osaka, so Naito and LIJ doing their full celebration there is perfect. Finally, I want to touch on one potentially lost detail on Naito's path to the IWGP title. Just how perfect it was that the IC belt, the one belt that he used to abuse, threw around and threatened to destroy, ended up being his ticket to finally beating Okada at the Dome in the main event for the IWGP belt. It wasn't winning the G1, it wasn't winning the briefcase, it was winning the IC title that finally allowed him to reach his destino. Gato really played off everything that's happened in the past six years and tied it all in. The IC belt, the fan vote, the Stardust pressed, all of it. It all came together to allow Naito to finally have his moment. It is truly the greatest long-term story in wrestling history. Well, there we go. Thank you for the feedback uh, from Lara and all of our uh, people sending in their comments on New Year Dash and from Raw on Monday night. So 
that is going to bring an end to this show. WH, you are off the hook. You do not have to watch Raw again, but thank you for being a trooper and joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It was it was fun to watch it with Wei and, and talk about it with the two of you. And, and yeah, I've, I've been enjoying you guys being here in Japan. We still got some time left. Not so much wrestling, really. Just enjoy. What's the Japan. plan today? The plan today, we're gonna we're gonna meet up with Jojo Remy, his wife Christine, and we're gonna eat some tonkatsu. We're hopefully we can try to get to the place where they have this giant Baba Memorial exhibit. Like we'll see uh, right after this, I think. Oh, and it ends today, right? Yeah, so hopefully we can get there in time. Yes, we'll have time. Yeah, I'm sure you will. We'll, we'll try and squeeze that in. That's the plan. We went to went to Totocon again on Monday and. That, that was a fun time. Yeah. Got to check out a lot, a lot of great stuff there. You and I may be back uh, later this week with a show. We're hoping to have one. Uh, I'm going to have something out uh, this weekend, whether it's uh, just me reviewing SmackDown or something with you and, and a whoever. A guest, maybe. Maybe we'll have a guest. Yeah. Uh, but Way, uh, we're going to say farewell to you because you are going to be uh, going off now on your own kind of a mini vacation. So I hope you have a great time and can just uh, – detached from everything wrestling related and i look forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks thank you guys it's been a lot of fun uh i want to thank you you know whu for the hospitality uh for everything not just you know with with us but for entire group of friends uh it's been a lot of fun like hanging out with you guys in tokyo like i feel like i was here with my own you know little like crew that that are just like people that I've just known through podcasting it's been great meeting you or sorry meeting uh you know new people like uh um uh Damon from the Super J cast who I hadn't met before um you know got to see some old friends here like Fraser um got to meet some listeners I guess for the first time in a long long time as well so uh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been fun with the. We, we've been rolling like nine deep in this I crew. Know. Martin for, Bushby, for most, most Lisa, of these, uh, Robert, days. Caitlin. Yeah, Martin Bushby. Yeah, uh, his lovely wife, Rob Conway. Not that Rob Conway. No, his wife. He's not married to what Rob Conway. No, 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 no. I said his lovely wife, Lisa. Lisa, and we have Rob. Her Conway. father, Rob Conway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a longer story, but uh, yes, thanks to everyone that we've also got to meet. Got to meet qu- quite a number of listeners uh, mm-hmm. throughout all of these shows as well. So thank you to all of those uh, that came up, uh, and one listener too who said like they were too shy to come up and say hi. Thank you very much. And next time, do say hi. I hope I'm not uh, intimidating. That's not uh, my intent. I'm the weird one, not anyone else. But that's it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We have a lot of great shows coming up, uh, starting with the Worst of Show that will be up for all patrons on Tuesday. Uh, If you're not a patron, it'll be up Thursday on the site for everybody. And you can also watch the video version at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling with Way's impeccable uh, graphics work. Oh, well, thank you. Not too red. Looks, I think all of us, we, we tried to have some nice gear. I've got a, a maroon shirt on. Hey, big shout out to Andrew Thompson, Postwrestling.com, oh, holding down the fort while the John's been away. Andrew Thompson, who has just yeah. been carrying the site on his shoulders uh, in my absence. He has been a lifesaver. He has made this trip so much easier. Just so, big thank you to Andrew. Doing great work, as always. Postwrestling.com, everybody. Check it out. All right. That is it for us. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we will speak with you later this week. <laughs>